Welcome, where business buying banter meets no BS reality. Get ready to dive into the world of buying and selling businesses without the fluff and fancy jargon. Whether you're a seasoned business buying pro or a curious, aspiring entrepreneur, this is where the real talk happens. Because in business, there's no room for sugarcoating. Let's get down to the brass tacks. Hey, hey, hey! What's going on today? <laughs> How you doing, Deb? Did you like that opening, Richard? That's like frightening. That's like real legit. <laughs> Looks Sounds great. Looks great. I, I almost look good. You look terrific as always, but yes, terrific. Uh, yeah, I love the opening. Um, I actually picked the, the, the song out, um, Little Rock and Blues, because that's my kind of music. I love like Aerosmith, Chris Stapleton, any kind of music with blues. So- um, what about you? What kind of music do you well, go you, to? You, you went to the um, you went to the Eagle. Was it the Eagles concert? You I were did. Yep. How was that? Minneapolis saw the Eagles. Um, fantastic. Uh, Glenn Fry. He's what seventy six, and he doesn't look old at all. He looks great. Joe Walsh. He's seventy five. He looks old, but he's still he still can <laughs> play that miles guitar. On him. Oh, yeah. Oh, look it. We got some people coming in. Welcome. Hey, Kelly. Good to see you. Um, hey, Mike. Mike from the Hounds Business Community. Thank you so much for coming here. Um, check out that chat. It's filling up, Richard. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, glad to have everybody. Yeah. Terrific. So this is our first show, Richard, Headbands and Handkerchiefs. And um, backstage before showtime, we were just talking about how we came up with with the um, the name. Obviously, everybody knows me because I love to wear the headbands. And I got to know Richard on LinkedIn of all places. And we decided that we walked on common ground. Uh, we love to support people that want to buy businesses. And all of a sudden, I noticed, show them what's in your little coat pocket there. Your so jacket. That was this. And then there when you we go. Check you it out. And my the picture that you saw, the original picture on LinkedIn or the one that's on one of my uh, websites has a pocket square handkerchief. I don't want to confuse the two because I don't want to start blowing my nose into my pocket square. But it had the exact same pocket square as you have in your headband wearing my uh, famous pink suit, which yeah. always uh, solicits or elicits a few comments. That's right. So it was a divine intervention, Richard. Amen. We could not figure out what to call this show. And um, my uh, good friend from the uh, Hounds of Business community, Sia from Brilliant Beam Media, ladies and gentlemen, she is our behind the scenes producer and she even has a secret mic. Can you say hi to everybody, Sia? Hello, hello, <laughs> hello. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Actually, it would be more like this. Hello, hello, hello. That's better. That's much better. Yeah, there we go. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you are watching this live, <clears throat> take it from me and take it from Richard. You have to hire help, production help for behind the scenes. I tried to do lives on my own, failed miserably. Brilliant Beam Media, why don't you put up that little QR code, if you would, Sia? Uh, this is who I engaged Richard and I for our show and behind the scenes, we would not be able to do what we are doing today without Sia and her team from Brilliant Beam Media. So if you are watching the show right now and you don't want gremlins stealing your show, trying to put on a live stream by yourself, take a picture of that code on your phone and connect with Brilliant Beam Media. Trust me, I feel much better but don't you, Richard, knowing that well, Sia is behind the scenes? Can you know, we give well, her a hand? I'm like, you know, you know, like I'm so neurotic, right? And preparing for this, I'm thinking like we got to do four hours of rehearsals, right? Just to make sure all the technology is working and you're a master at this. And then you introduce me to Sia and she said, guys, I got you. Just we'll, we'll log on half an hour or so before and we'll just do a run through. And I'm thinking to myself like a half an hour before, how is this even possible, right? It could, <laughs> it could take me a half hour just to log on, but... Boom, 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 boom. She's got this. And, she, she and you're right. She says, don't worry, I got you. And, and believe me, she's got us. She was unbelievable. Yes. She's unbelievable. 
I love it. I got a little thing up at the top there. You see that someone scanned the QR code. I wouldn't right. know what the heck or how to do any of this. See ya. Thank you. Can you give yourself a round of applause? I know you got one in there somewhere. Okay. Okay. So everybody came here because they want to learn how to buy a business. And here's the good news, Richard. We're not just going to be here today. We're going to be here. What? Every week on Thursdays. Every Two week on Thursdays. Yep. Pre every week. We got a lot to cover. Oh my gosh. And, and we have a lot to cover because it's always changing, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. And the landscape, you know, some of what we see today, was almost predictable a year ago, you know, talking about interest rates and other things. But, you know, I'm doing this for, God, in February, it's going to be 34 years that I'm doing this, which is hard to believe considering, like, I think that I turned 18 about an hour and a half ago. And, <laughs> and like, I think about, and, and yet, and done, and seen, and involved, and looked at, and, and represented in both sides of the equation, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of transactions. And it's, and it's unbelievable. Like I know for me anyways, I still learn something new in every transaction. So it's, it's, you know, this, this the world is fascinating, but there's never, there's never going to be a, uh, a shortage of, of subject material. That's right. Yeah. I'm with you on it. And, and, uh, 30 years is, is how long I was in corporate America. Um, and 20 of it was in small business lending in some capacity. And, um, God, like you said, every transaction brought some kind of a hairball, curveball, you yeah, name right. it. Yeah, um, or both. Yeah. Or both. But then there were some easy ones that would come into. Um, so headbands and handkerchiefs, business buying banter. We're going to be here every Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern. Um, so please mark your calendars and come back. Uh, this is just our kickoff episode. Um, and I do want to thank. Uh, one of our sponsors for the show, Richard, um, that would be Walking Tall Movement. And um, the two gentlemen that are um, working on this project, big hearts. They both are survivors of mass, massive shootings, the one in Las Vegas a couple of years ago yeah. with the big concert, and then the 4th of July shooting in Highland Park. Um, if everyone on the on the live today could scan the QR code that is put up on the live here and follow walking tall. Um, they, they are a small movement today, but I, they have big hearts. And if, if everybody recalls yesterday in the news, there were two different mass shootings, one in Vegas, one in Texas. So walking tall movement, their mission is to reach out to the people as fast as they can that are dealing with these kind of unannounced things that happen in our world today. So um, I would like to just say all of our prayers and thoughts are with all of the victims and the survivors and these two gentlemen with Walking Tall, they are the best. Um, and I'm proud to say that they are sponsoring the show. And um, we, we rise together, right, Richard? We rise together. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous that an organization like that even has to exist, right? Mm -hmm. I, I was born in Canada and there's, you, you have far less of it, although there's been a couple of uh, really horrific mass shootings over the years, not, not relative, you know, not commensurate, let's say with, with the U.S. So for me, I'm living here for 27 years and I'm an American. I became an American on January 7th, um, January 23rd, 2007, which was one of the best days of my life. But uh -huh. it's still astonishing to me that, you know, that it happens. And yesterday we say it like we had two of them yesterday, which like, just say it matter of factly, it's just, they're doing God's work and, 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 um, you know, any yes. support that we could provide to them or and people could provide would be wonderful. Absolutely. And um, I was talking to Chris, one of the partners of the Walking Tall movement the other day, uh, and similar, you know, to, to any industry, the qualified are truly the ones that have walked through the fire. They are the qualified to help pull others through uh, in good times and in bad. So thank you, Walking Tall, for uh, being a sponsor of today's show. And uh, we appreciate all that you're doing. Absolutely. And I do want, Deb, I'm, I'm going to give a shout out to someone who's, who's uh, 
going to be uh, participating today for about half an hour. He's not a sponsor. I, pr- I am probably more of his sponsor than he is of a sponsor. But this is my my son, Jake's, one of his closest buddies. His name is Miles Woodbury. He's 21, I think, Miles. And um, he started in the, he's, he's mine and my wife's, we call him our adopted son. But he started in the uh, uh, real estate business, residential real estate last February. And he's very entrepreneurial. He got all excited when he got invited to uh, today's episode. I'm sure he'll be in his own business soon enough. He actually has closed a couple of transactions within his first year and got his first listing actually last week, which is a massive milestone, right? When you're selling real estate. And so that's very exciting. And I know he wants to eventually get into the world of entrepreneurship. So uh, Miles, if you're listening, I know you said you could only join for about 30 minutes, but I'm thrilled to have you. I'll call him my son because he is my adopted son. And he always shows up at our house. <laughs> I love it. And we were just busting his chops this week that he, he, he always shows up at our house at, you know, when Sarah's about three minutes away from taking dinner off the uh, stovetop. He's got great timing. <laughs> does, got he great do, timing. does he do the dishes when, when dinner's done then? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 He's pretty good. He's good pretty for good. Him. That's good. Okay. Well, listen, uh, we're going to start. The program here and just kind of dive right in. Um, you know, with our goal here is to educate all the business buyers and, and um, I'll kick off with um, what is the market like today right now when it comes to business buying and the interest rates and how do you navigate? And uh, that, that's the question, Richard, how do you navigate? You, you just can't navigate as a business buyer the waters of finding the best bank loan project for these transactions when you buy a business and a big confusion, Richard, and maybe you can um, uh, tell me what your thoughts are. People think that the SBA is what gives the money. The SBA, which stands for Small Business Administration, they are an entity of our U.S. government. And they provide to all the bank lenders up to a 75% guarantee of the business acquisition loan. So the government doesn't give the money. Everybody complains, quote unquote, about the SBA. Well, they're not the ones giving the money, Richard. They're guaranteeing (laughs) the banks that give the money, right? Right. So there's, and, and you know, there's, there's a lot of misconceptions in the whole process of buying businesses. One of the things, certainly as it relates to lenders, understanding that they're going to deal with a bank and that the SBA is in theory, they're guaranteeing it to, and to extent underwriting it. But what's critically important and how you and I originally met was how does someone facilitate that or make that process simpler, more streamlined? Because I think the first knee-jerk reaction of an individual looking to acquire a business is the government's not going to give me any money. That's the first thing. And if they happen to get past that, it's like, well, it's, it's probably impossible right? Or close to impossible. And so there's such a lack of understanding. Yeah, it's a complicated process and it takes time and there's underwriting just like there is if you're going to get a loan for a home. I mean, it's no different, but understanding that the process is very doable and the terms, especially with the new criteria that's in place, it's unbelievable. I mean, the the leverage that someone can achieve to get into the world of entrepreneurship through an SBA loan today versus, you know, some of the criteria of years past is incredibly favorable. It is, it is. And we are a lucky country to have the SBA, the, um, the, the government guarantee. I have been on, um, a couple of podcasts in other countries. And the only reason why they want me to talk about the SBA is because they want their government or their leaders in their countries to hear what our government is allowing for people to buy these businesses because it's all intangible assets when you buy a business, right, Richard? Well, for the most part, I mean, it's almost, especially when you get into the smaller businesses, some of them have absolutely no hard assets. And so, you know, usually the biggest asset is between the ears of the owner and and it leaves every day at five o'clock. And so understanding, you know, individuals who are looking to our 
acquire businesses. Oftentimes, they believe that banks actually lend money to buy businesses, and they don't. They, the SBA program does, but you can't walk into your bank down the street as a commercial lend, as a commercial lender and think with no experience, no track record, and you think you're going to leverage a loan to acquire a business without the involvement of the SBA. Sure, I mean, if you want to put up 100% collateral, you can get a non-SBA loan, but who the hell needs that? So. Yeah. But there's no, there's a real misunderstanding when it comes to small business acquisitions. And if you want to go through the, you know, down the path of a third party lender versus, you know, all or in part of a seller balance of sale, this is your only choice in America. Mm-hmm. It is your no, only choice. no track record. I mean, no one's lending you money. Right on, <laughs> right on. I'm so glad you said that. And, and there's a lot of talk out there about, um, 100% seller notes, which can be done, but it scares the bejesus out of me because the due diligence, in my opinion, might not, might lack when it comes to 100% seller notes, just because a bank, your bank partner, they're going to dig deep and do a lot of searches and, and support the buyer because they want to protect their portfolio to make sure what loan they're putting on the books is not going to have hair growing on it within the first six months, Right. Well, you you have a you know one of the things that's become a, a just a a horrible problem in in our world of small business uh, buying and selling is this concept because you see a proliferation of these alleged gurus right who are mm-hmm. selling these teaching people how to buy businesses with no money no money down it's pretty interesting because when anybody tells me that they're a guru I've learned you know over the years that if you're a guru you don't have to tell anybody right the world <laughs> knows that but you know these you're very you're very nice the way you position it these this concept of um, buying a business for no money down lends itself to the title of, of this show, which is it's complete bullshit. I mean, you can buy a garbage business all day long for no money down. You can mm-hmm. possibly buy a highly distressed business and that, and that has the word stress in it for a reason. And if you have no experience as an entrepreneur, the last thing you want to do is buy a distressed business because you're going to have enough of a challenge learning how to be an entrepreneur and a business owner of a good business. And so this concept of buying businesses for no money down, it, it's, it's just not a reality. I mean, it, it, and you're certainly not going to get a good business. Um, one of the things, by the way, that someone was asking um, whether or not foreign nationals can qualify for SBA loans. And so uh, we should touch on that in a second. But to, to wrap up the point related to you know, 100% seller financing. I'm a big proponent of seller financing as part or all a component of the transaction. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. no doubt it puts skin in the game. It really validates everything that they've represented. It represents and should be part of potentially the financing. But anybody who's looking for, you know, businesses, no money down. I wish I could help them. I wish that was true, but it's mm-hmm. it's complete BS. I mean, it just doesn't happen. So people should save themselves a whole lot of time, effort, money, and heartburn because that's not the way you're going to get into a business, mm-hmm. any good business. And you want a good business. Oh, yeah. Preach it now, Richard. Come on. <laughs> well, well, the I one mean, thing I've always liked with the SBA, even when criteria was was so rigid that the percentage of SBA backed small business acquisitions was small, is there's probably no better resource for a buyer to do their due diligence, mm-hmm. right? If it passes the SBA muster and they're mm-hmm. underwriting, I mean, that goes a hell of a long way in validating the, the core fundamentals of the business. I mean, buyers yes. can take tremendous uh, consolation in that. I mean, it's a, it really increases your comfort level versus, you know, an accountant or others that may be involved in due diligence sort of very capable, but the underwriting is hefty, right? And, and so if it passes that, that's a hell of a good vote. That's right. <laughs> I just want to get an applause for that. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah. Thank you. And, 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 I see there are, like you said, the gurus or the influencers out there on social media that are pushing 100% um, seller note uh, by these businesses. And some of the younger generations, they have savings, they have they have 401ks, and they're cashing it all in to pay as much to the seller and then put the rest on a seller note and discount going to the bank for any money. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. Um, uh, it's just absolutely, yeah. It's, right? it's, it, it makes no sense. I mean, there's a couple of things that you shouldn't do, right? You shouldn't pay all cash for a business, mm-hmm. even if you got it, unless you get a massive discount, mm-hmm. and you shouldn't discount leverage mm-hmm. because that's going to allow you more money 
to market and grow the business. So just do this in a good, prudent way. And there are facilities and resources that allow you to do that. That's right. Yeah. For some reason, my screen is frozen. And you look terrific, but you, cause you froze straight on, got the headband, <laughs> got the headband, hear the laugh. Yeah. You're frozen for a second, but you oh, it's coming it. back. There we go. Yeah. So it must be a gremlin in my, um, uh, but usually Camera. when my screen freezes, it's like a, you get a face. <laughs> At least my voice is still here. I should have a, an AI avatar of me in this black window. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, absolutely. I'm afraid what an AI avatar of me would look like. Oh, what the heck? My, You know, I'm going to maybe, uh, well, I'll keep talking. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I know you Unless can't you're... see me. Maybe Sia can send me a chat here to tell me what it is that I need to do. And exactly again, why ladies and gentlemen, you need brilliant beam media <laughs> to help be, you out, to help you out. Cause I wouldn't know what to do. I'm way. willing to bet this is not on beam media. I'm willing to bet this is something on your side. A hundred percent. I think so. Yeah. I think yeah. so. What do you, Deb, tell us about this um, inquiry someone had related to foreign nationals and the SBA. Cause I have no insight into that. Um, I'm going to switch my camera real quick here. I think that's what I can do. Let me try this. If this works. There we go. There we go. There we go. Looking go good. Oh, no. I'm gonna there go. you're gone. Gone. I'm just going to go with this. There we go. Looks terrific. Okay. So um, foreign nationals, um, as long as you have a green card and it's all verified in the systems, uh, the le you know the um, um, government systems. There is a form that your SBA lender has. That's an SBA form that needs to be uh, completed, signed, notarized. Uh, yes, uh, as long as you have a green card, you can apply for SBA. Not a not so a green card, not a um, not a, a resident alien. It's an actual green card. Yes. Okay. Correct. All right. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Terrific. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we got another question here. Did you say, Sia? I'm just looking at the chat here. Oh, yeah. Who was that? That was James Patrick. Thank you, Mr. James Patrick. I believe Soaring Profits is in the house. Would that be correct? Oh, and I like the way he spells it. Soaring Profits, P-R-O-P-H-E-T-S. Yeah. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah. That's another nice. great um, uh, live stream podcast show. And I will be a guest on that show coming up, I think, in a couple of weeks. So um, <laughs> anyone want to marry a Canadian? I love That's where Richard's from. Hey, come yeah, on Montreal. Now. And I've got to say thank you to, I see it on the right-hand side, you know, um, a, a lot of familiar names of uh, people that have over the years purchased our, our, our course on buying businesses and saying hi. And some of these names are being triggered from, from recent and, and past years. So Hello, everybody, and and it's uh, wonderful to have you. I appreciate the uh, the kind comments and the regards. It's great. I it's agree. Nice. I, um, Raquel is here. Thank you for your sweet comments and supporting us. I see that as well. Mike Ashabraner from the Hounds Business Community. Richard, you need to consider joining that community. Um, I'd say the, the about Hounds Business Community. Hounds Business Community. They're all I'm taking notes. I'm in taking the notes. Chat. I'm, I'm going to send go. you a link. You will love it. It's a great group. We work together and we support each other. Um, there he is. Perfect. See, Got it. That's the leader, the founder of the hounds, Mike. Uh, he teaches kidding garden skills of how to network. Oh, perfect. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm not very good at networking. So no, that, that, that'll be, that'll be helpful. That'll be perfect. Thank you. What do you see? By the way, I wanted to ask you when you're you know, I hear mixed stories related to SBA activity up and down and based on interest rates, because I, I see it through a very um, uh, different lens, maybe, yeah. um, as opposed to not you, but as opposed to, you know, pure lenders because of the interest rates and the impact that they have. Tell me what you're seeing as far as number of applications or what you, if you have any insight to what maybe the overall SBA is or SBA lenders are seeing a number of applications or the people, you know, um, prepping themselves at the idea of, of, you know, way interest, because I guess it's now Wall Street prime plus. So it gets to, yeah. gets to 11 plus percent. It does. So let's go back to 2020, the year of the pandemic interest rates, what was prime Richard zero, I think at one point for a while yep, there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the SBA, uh, loans that are financed by banks, 
doing business acquisition financing um, generally will be on a variable interest rate when you buy a business. Okay. So variable, we all heard about variable home equity loans back in 2008, the market crashed and then everybody's rates went up and foreclosures were everywhere. So think about it. If you bought a business in 2020, your rate probably was, it was, it's generally prime plus a spread of 2.75% that the banks will, will charge. So you probably bought a business at two, two and three quarters percent, uh, maybe 4% if the rate came up a little bit, the prime rate. Well, today, prime rate is eight and a half percent, I believe. Wall Street Journal prime rate yeah, is eight and a half. Yeah, eight and a half. Yes, correct. Add 2.75, you're buying yeah. a business 11 and a half percent or so, somewhere in that right. range. Where everyone that is listening needs to understand it's the business cash flow reported to the IRS. That's the key, reported to the IRS. Right. That supports your SBA loan project payment if you take over ownership and the business continues to operate as is and produce those well, same profits right. as it has historically. So don't let the interest rate scare you as a business buyer because it is, well, it is high. I'd be scared too. But if the business can afford it and it's the, it's a variable interest rate, if and when rates come down, now your rate on your loan is going to come down and your, your principal and interest payment is going to be less. So you're going to have more profits going to the business onto the balance sheet, building value. Okay. So um, it is slower today, Richard, as far as activity, not so much by business buyers, but by business sellers. Why they the sellers will not recognize the fact that the cost of money for buyers is higher today. And right. if the cost of money is higher, they got to come down in their price to meet the cost of funds today. Got and um, we're a year into this high interest rate environment. So my hope is and I'm starting to see some sellers are like, is this rate ever going to come down? Who I don't knows? know. Right? We got an election year next year. I don't think anything is going to change for a good year. And if it does, I don't think it's going to be drastic. I no, could be I, wrong. I, well, you know, we, we don't, we don't, you have more insight, certainly than I do. We don't, don't predict, but, you know, interest rates and mortgages, I mean, for many years where this was, you know, five, six, seven, eight percent was was pretty normal. I mean, I did a back of the napkin um, calculation, you know, and typically at 11, at 11 plus percent, you have about $160,000 a year um, of, you know, principal and interest over the course of the loan. Well, at 6%, you had 135. So the difference, right, you're talking about, yeah, but let's let's talk about about thirty thousand dollars of difference between a six percent SBA loan and and a an eleven and a half percent SBA loan, mm -hmm. and and I just went through this uh, recently with a buyer and walked them through the comparison. Say, you know, that's what you're talking about on a million dollars, right? Mm -hmm. You're talking about thirty to forty thousand dollars per year debt service, and there's so many ways to get around this. Number one, mentally, I mean, mm -hmm. if you're going to get into business, there's always an element of risk. You have to understand sometimes you might just need to take a step back with what the income that's being thrown off um, and what you're going to be able to put into your pocket after debt service. And if, if that becomes too slim, the other way is you use alternate methods to help bridge the gap with, for example, you know, I did the, uh, the math where I took a million dollar loan and 700,000 was an SBA. And the seller note was um, if you, if, if the seller note goes to $300,000 and you could negotiate where you just to pay interest only on the seller note for the first year or two until there's mm -hmm. an adjustment downwards in, 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 you know, the variable rate comes down to interest rates. Well, if you take the seller note on 300,000 and you pay them, like I think it's about 6% and you pay the higher uh, rate on the uh, SBA loan, you, 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 you come back to the total amount that you would have normally paid anyways, except mm -hmm. you're you're only paying interest, and so you're not your your debt service is not costing you any more money than it would have before, right? You could also get a holiday where you don't pay the note for a year. So you, yeah. you can't let interest rates get in your way unless they're twenty percent. I get it, but the yeah. seller has to contribute. They lower the price. They could provide a note. There could be hol a holiday from the from the note, etc. That should not prevent people 
from moving the deal forward. You just have to get participation from from other, you know, typically from the seller, right? And That's that could right. be, and now someone, uh, by the way, asked what the approval rate is on SBA loans. And I'm not sure if they meant approval rate related to the buyers or the sellers, but um, maybe you could um, lean into that a little bit. Yeah. Thanks, Graham, Stephen. Nice to see you here. Um, Graham does business valuations. Uh, he's got a- um, a He's an artist. I, so he's an yeah. artist. He might be a good guest for us one day in the future here and get him on the show uh, to talk about business valuations. But um, so this this question could be answered two two ways. Um, typical approval rates for SBA loan applications. I'm going to spin that first with this answer. That all depends upon who are you talking to to get the SBA loan. And for example, um, I just delivered a commitment letter last week for a fella that's buying a business down in Florida for 1.5 million. It's um, uh, an electrical lighting company. They they put lights in all the pools in Florida. In your neck of the woods, Richard, maybe beautiful. Maybe, maybe you got some lights in your pool. I have a light in my pool. Actually, my light in my the actual main light in my pool went off in uh, stopped working in September of 2005. I just haven't gotten around. To fixing it. I have a referral for you. I got a referral. It's only about for you. 18 years. We got lots of lights in the back, right? But the actual yeah. light in the pool is about eight. It's been off for about 18 years. Well, his business is, he will transfer into this business. It's been around for 15 years and it's been profitable. We're funding on December 15th, knock on wood. So exciting. Wow. Yeah. So to answer Graham's question, you know, the approval rates really depends upon who are you working with uh, as far as credibility reputation, experience, the qualified, like we were talking about earlier. Right. How many times has somebody walked through the fire with SBA funding on business acquisitions? Let me tell you, I've been doing this for 20 years. I've made a lot of mistakes and I've learned from them. I take ownership when I make mistakes, but that's what makes me grow, Richard. And um, if you're working with somebody that's been through the fire, they're the ones that are qualified to take you to the finish line. This fella called three different banks on his own to get feedback if he was qualified for the SBA on this particular business listing. He was told no three times. Came to me. I took it to two of my SBA lenders. And here's where the magic lies. Um, my SBA partners who I work with, they know that I've got knowledge I'm not trying to be boastful. It's just called she's walked through the fire. <laughs> you can boast because you're really good at what you do. So oh, if you yeah. don't boast, I'll boast for you. Oh, How's thank that? you. But when, when you've been when you've walked through the fire and you've been burned and you learned, you just get better and better as time goes by. So he contacted me and I reached out to two banks. One was a non-bank lender. They said no. Real good lender. They say yes to some deals that other banks say no. Reached out to another bank. They said yes. And I even told the front end lender, can you take it to your chief of credit just to confirm that? Yes, a little bit more for me because there were just too many no's. Right. <laughs> commitment, commitment letter delivered and we're funding on, on the 15th. So Graham, I hope that answers your questions regarding approval rates. There really is no rhyme or reason. Richard, do you know how many people probably leaned on their business broker that's selling the business? second when you said there's no rhyme or reason for so you're saying there's no rhyme or reason for like the rates who gets well there is rhyme or reason but it, i guess it's lender specific right lender specific yeah and what and about someone asking you know there's uh, they were asking about um are there sector specific areas because i know in my experience and, and having done a lumber transactions with sba loans were involved mm -hmm. we started seeing a lot more where there's certain sectors for example you know, uh, restaurants where they wanted to know you had restaurant specific experience, um, yeah. or there's sectors where there's licensing. And I know they've, they've, there's some criteria now that allow they, the seller, the license, the, the seller, the current owner of the business to qualify the business for the next owner related to licensing. But by and large, there's no outside of probably like, you know, the, the drug industry and porn. I'm sure there's, you know, there's really no restrictions. They'll, they yeah. look at whatever, right? I mean, there's, there's, there's no industries that they've ruled off the table completely. So what I want everyone to take away from all of your statements there and question, every bank has their own in-house credit policies. 
every bank that lends on these deals has their own industry appetites. Every bank out there has a SBA loan portfolio that's on the books and either performing or struggling. And there are a lot of struggles happening right now in today's market, especially with the increased interest rates. That is changing on the daily. You could call a bank today and be told no regarding a specific industry. And then possibly four months from now, maybe that industry is performing better in their portfolio. And now the decision makers are saying, well, we'll open up the gates a bit on this industry. Think, I, I think back to my time working at the various banks, Wells Fargo, for, interest, for, for instance. They would finance restaurants, but they wanted you to have 50, as in five, zero, 50 percent down as the business buyer if you wanted to purchase finance and establish business. I can call some of my other bank partners, and 10 percent down is typically um, the minimum required down payment, and, and that's SBA SOP qualified on a restaurant. And I have some lenders that will do that. We could even go 5% down if the seller is willing to carry back 5% of that 10% uh, down payment. So no rhyme or reason. <laughs> Hence why buyers really need to pull in a partner that has access to the different SBA lenders where number one, they're going to pick up the phone when they know Deb Curtis is calling because she's got a package of a buyer that's qualified and she knows that this business the buyer wants to purchase is cash flowing because she demanded to see the tax returns. I get people picking up the phone. If you're Richard Parker and you're buying a business and you're just calling a lender at random, depending upon if they're transactional, lazy, tired, lack of experience, you don't know what you're going to get, Richard. Yeah, they're not picking up the phone. And one of the things, you know, I just, I'm going to give a, uh, a shameless plug for you because, you know, I've, I've dealt with tons of SBA lenders, business brokers, and I do some uh, lower market uh, M&A work myself, you know, and, and, and part of the problem in this whole industry was not all, but a, a disproportionate percentage, you know, of, 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 of brokers may be pushing a buyer towards a certain lender where there may be some compensation and that's their business, but everybody has their expertise. There's lots of stakeholders in the business buying process and everybody has their expertise. And one of the things, you know, that I, I absolutely adore about you is that your heart's in the right place and hopefully I'll make you blush a little bit. Your heart's, your heart's in the right place. And there, it, there's a massive advantage for an individual to be able to come to someone like yourself and be able, and you be able to look and say, you, you know which lenders are uh, potential candidates for this particular business, this particular individual, because you see the, you know, the, the pluses and minuses with, with both entities, the individual and the business, because it becomes very frustrating. You know, one thing that I've always encouraged people to do in our course when they, you know, when they look for, for financing is first of all, do it early, right? Don't, don't wait till the last minute till you have a, a deal in place. You want to start reaching out um, as early as possible to understand what's involved. Mm -hmm. But if you start going bank to bank, it becomes very frustrating because the reality is, and I've seen it happen, where you could speak to, you get two different answers from two different people at the same bank. And yeah. so, you know, and, and, and unfortunately it, that situation exists. So being able to funnel something, you know, all of that to an individual like yourself, who above everything else is going to do right by people. And yeah. You know, Thank so you. encourage people, you really, if you're going to go down the road, you, it, it's well worth it to, you know, to join hands with someone like Deb, because she'll, she'll make your life a hell of a lot easier. You'll have a good laugh along the way. And she knows her stuff. I mean, <laughs> so, that, and it's really important because if not, it's, you know, buying a business isn't difficult. It's just complicated. And this is yeah. like another piece that becomes very, very complicated. So thank you for that. You're, you're of course. such a kind gentleman. Um, and I'd like to toss it right back to you to maybe share with our listeners about your courses and, and what, what it is that you offer. Um, and then maybe we can talk about um, the, the top things sellers don't tell you and see it can pop that up for us if anybody's interested. Why don't you give us a little feedback on that, Richard? Sure. And, and one thing I want to tell everybody, we, um, Deb and I put together a, a report on 10 things sellers won't tell you. And um, there's a QR code and we'll put in the link as well, but you can get that reported down, get it in an email with a download link. It's the 10, uh, 
10 critical elements. I think it's about 40 pages. It's If I do say so myself, it's really well written and very helpful and um, covers a lot of things that you're just not going to hear directly from the seller or they're going to tell you something and um, it's not, it's going to be something else. For example, you know, um, growth opportunities, key employees that will stay if they have issues related to customer concentration, which is a massive problem in a substantial amount of small businesses outside of retail. And by that customer concentration, we mean when a disproportionate number amount of the business, it comes from a very few number of customers. And that's very common in small businesses. And yeah. they, you know, sellers will typically tell you that, oh, you have nothing to worry about. So-and-so will keep buying from you. And so, well, you need to, you need to examine that because if that doesn't prove to be true, the entire business can change. And I know we had the uh, individual who does the business valuation. It's Graham, I think you said Graham. Yep. Graham was with, and uh-huh. you know, he would certainly understand this. If you have a business that's throw that's doing $5 million a year and making a million dollars a year, and you have a, a, a very uh, a high percentage of customer concentration. And if that customer disappears, that business can now be doing, you know, making $400,000 a year. And those are two completely separate valuations. And and very often the seller will tell you, yeah, you have nothing to worry about. Well, you need to investigate that and you need to get confirmation and you may not be able to get confirmation from the client because the seller does not want you to speak to that client mm-hmm. because they're worried if the clients find out that they're selling the business, then they'll go somewhere else. And so mm-hmm. you have to develop a, a, um, a deal that carves out that client and puts them into to a bucket of an earnout. In other words, the business does makes a million dollars of profit. I'm going to give you some rough numbers. So Graham, don't don't jump up and down because I'm just going to do this for math. Business makes a million dollars a year and you determine it's worth five million dollars. So it's a five times multiple. Well, without that customer, right? That business yeah. makes four hundred thousand. So that becomes a two a, a two million dollar business at a five times multiple. That difference between those mm-hmm. two, that's the earnout. So yeah. if that customer continues to buy after a year or two that you run the business, the seller earns the rest of the purchase price. They're pretty dramatic numbers. It's usually not that large, but it gives, it'll give people some, a sense for some context of the impact of customer concentration. There's the other parts of it of, you know, key employees, whether or not they're going to stay or not stay. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when you go through this, it's, it's, it's well worth the read. Um, it, it, it'll be very, very insightful. And we, you know, I run into these things all the time with buyers where, you know, most businesses, when you're buying an existing business, they're going to have warts, they're going to have blemishes, they're going to have problems. There's nothing perfect. So mm-hmm. you want to mitigate what's really problematic. You don't want to turn incidents into catastrophes because the beauty of buying a good existing business is you get the keys on Monday and you could take a paycheck on Friday. Right. right. Versus, versus a startup, which is a beautiful thing. Right. But there's going to be some problems. So you have to you have to solve for those and you have to go through this methodically because it's not it's not unless it's material, the seller and or the representatives, either legally or just by nature, are not going to tell you. You they may, it. they may, they may, but yeah. there's, there's no guarantee and there's no requirement in most cases, unless it's material. And so the buyer has to do their due diligence in a good, good way. That's right. I, I like to add to that uh, a, a true story. This happened a couple of years ago. I had a young man um, purchase finance, a commercial cleaning company, very profitable, just doing well, longtime company. And the seller, the owner was a, a woman, a female. Okay. We did all of our due diligence, checked, you know, the receivables and all that. I have that. a feeling I know what's coming here. Okay, go oh, ahead. Oh my goodness. Nowhere along the line, and um, and this is one of the this is an area why experience you you want to engage somebody that's been through the fire. They're the ones that are qualified because I learned a lesson really hard on this one. The attorney didn't even catch it. Business buyers engage attorneys yep. to help with due diligence. Sometimes so, they engage good ones. Yes. So my, my buyer was a male and the seller was a woman, beautiful commercial cleaning company. He was so excited. It it was approved, getting ready to close. And we did close and fund, but nowhere along the line did she disclose she was a woman certified business and all of her customers only wanted to work with minority owned businesses. Knew that was coming a hundred percent. See it frequently. Oh man. So it was a bit of a uh, back and forth work around with, and the business broker didn't even disclose it. Okay. Do you think the business broker should look for that, Richard? Uh, do, 
I mean, what, now I know to look for it if it's a woman that's selling or a veteran. What what are the who are the a fair question. What it's are a they- fair question. Mm-hmm. So I would answer to you this way. I would say that anybody who's been in the world of business brokerage for any amount of time would most would know to ask that question. Can I guarantee that they all would? No, but they would know to ask that question because it does surface. And as you were talking about, I was nodding my head and I hate to, you know, be the uh, assumption guy, but I knew exactly what was coming because I've seen it before. Yeah. Okay. And mm-hmm. so, because, and sometimes they get favorable terms or they have to record, there's certain county or, or, or um, uh, governmental agencies that are, you know, they give favorable treatment to minority and women owned businesses. And so if there were some of these related to contracts, they would get favorable treatment in the bidding process. So I knew exactly what was coming. So in your question, should mm-hmm. they, should they have disclosed it? If the broker knew it, knew this, then mm-hmm. I, I would like to say with confidence that yes, they will disclose it because the reality is, you know, very, very rarely do surprises not surface. So any decent broker would absolutely let it be known because if not, they're all liable, especially if they knew about it, right? Yeah. The problem is if you're dealing with an, you can't fault the seller. They just knew this is the way they do business. So they didn't even probably think about this, right? They didn't even know that it was advantageous or maybe they, they, you know, they, it, they didn't hide anything, but they mm-hmm. didn't put forth the information because they probably didn't know um, that it was that um, uh, influential on the purchase price or, or, or on the actual fundamentals of the business. A business broker hopefully would disclose it. And if any broker has been in this business long enough, and I'm going to say long enough, a few years, you would know that type of stuff comes up and yeah. you have to know to, to ask for those things. Yeah. But it's incumbent upon the buyer to uncover them. That's, that's where this becomes really almost unfortunate, right? Mm-hmm. Because no track record, if you don't have the resources behind you and the information behind you. And I appreciate you mentioned earlier about our course, which sold a, over a hundred thousand copies of these takes people through wow. the whole process. And so those, you know, those are the type of things that you want to, that we point out that you want to look for in due diligence. And mm-hmm. Graham, by the way, um, just to revert for a second, put up a note related to valuation, which Thank you, Graham. We talk about a pragmatic view related to earnouts and customer concentration. One of the things he said was, um, you know, you take you know a question to ask the sellers, what percentage of revenue do your top three clients represent? I usually ask three to five, or in a very open-ended question to say, give me a breakdown of your top ten clients. I don't need to know their names. Client number one, client number two, client number three, through to ten, and what percentage of the business have they represented over the course of the last three years, and if they've changed. Um, so that's a, a a very good way to pose that question and um, extract that information. Mm-hmm. So these are all things that you know. The and you know what, Deb, the example that you gave about the woman-owned business or the minority-owned business. We're talking about concentration. The nice thing about doing this every week is there's like about, and I'm not trying to exaggerate. There's about a billion more examples of these things, yeah. right? You yeah. know, which is which makes our industry fun. Can I tell you another story about this same buyer? Of course. <laughs> he this this was business number two, commercial cleaning company. The first one that we had approved for him, it was a male commercial a male owner selling his commercial cleaning business. This is rare that this ever happens, Richard, but it did this time. The seller got cold feet, and ten days before closing, changed his mind. And of course, didn't want to sell the business. Seller's remorse happens almost as frequently as buyer's remorse. So think about it. My client, we were shocked. We, we, the broker was shocked. The first round, we, the first business, he put in all this money into buying the business, the valuation, the time, the due diligence, the seller got cold feet and just wouldn't return anybody's calls or show up at closing. So then we quickly moved to the second business that was woman owned. Right. And then after it was funded, found out clients were walking away, but it all came together. So it all worked out. And the nice thing is when, you know, sometimes when there's a lost deal for a buyer, especially for a buyer, if they've gone down the road with a, with a specific type of business, if they're able to get into, you know, find another one in that sector, that's, um, you know, that they, they can potentially acquire a lot of the initial research that is already done for them, right? They did yeah. it on the last business. But seller's remorse is very common. Maybe in our next show, we can touch upon that um, a little bit related to the seller side of things, because we certainly, you know, how, you know, buyer's best way, you know, to interact with, with the seller, because that 
that piece is so important and and sure. very often most you know most small time buyers or first time buyers most of them are get panic stricken at the thought of having a a meeting with a seller and not you know no don't know exactly what questions to ask or what to look for so probably be you know maybe we can pick out a few of those and and why yeah. they should be asking those and and <laughs> preparation for the seller meeting that's right and by no shape or form am i trying to to scare anybody that wants to buy a business cuz a lot of what we talk about isn't the norm, but it, it's good to know to help you with your due diligence when you're getting ready to buy a business. Um, Absolutely. I want to just shout out to Graham. He's yeah. heading, heading, heading off here soon. Thank you, Graham. He's on, he's on the, over the pond on, on the other side of the world, but does a great job of business valuations. So Graham, well, have a good you, night. Have a good night. Um, now we're, we're down to 10 minutes here of the show. Um, I'm, what should we, 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 we want to keep talking business buying banter every, every Thursday. You're going to find us here live. We, Richard and I both agreed if you're interested in being a guest and you want to talk about some of um, what you may add as value to our listeners, simply DM um, Richard or myself or reach out to us. And uh, we would love to entertain adding some guests to our roster. Right, Richard? Oh, absolutely. And, and certainly if there's any, uh, you know, buyers who have gone through this process, would be wonderful to hear your stories, some of the challenges that you've, um, you know, that you've uh, encountered along the way. So industry experts, whether it be someone like Graham with, uh, you know, um, you know, valuations or anyone's, uh, any accountants doing forensic accounting or uh, attorneys doing transactional work at this, at this level, we'd, mm -hmm. you know, we'd love to have you participate, but certainly related to the buyers, um, th that would be great. Um, you know, and, and, and I think Deb, your earlier point that you made just before you're talking about potential guests, when you're talking about, you know, not to scare anyone, it, it buying a business, I mentioned earlier, it's a difficult process, but it's, it's not difficult. It's complicated. And so when I mean complicated, there's a lot of various steps, but they're all doable. I mean, I'm the poster boy. I bought 13 businesses and had a co-investment in a, in a 14th and businesses in ranging in value from $50,000 to $200 million. I don't have a fancy education. I'm not sitting here to drive blow, blow smoke up my rear end with, with accomplishments, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the poster boy for it. And I made a ton of mistakes, you know, at the beginning you, and you can, there's enough information that you can avoid doing that, but it's doable. Anybody can do this. Not everybody will, but anybody can do this. It's not beyond anybody's scope. You just have to do it in a methodical way, reducing all the steps like into, into, into bite-sized pieces. And, you know, I, I tell buyers that the, the two greatest emotions that you have, you should be excited and you should be scared. Excited, yeah. excite, excitement keeps you going. Scared will force you to be diligent. And so there are peaks and valleys, and I'm sure you've seen it. People, you know, they, they it's frustrating that the individual who lost the, the commercial cleaning business, the seller yeah. backed out, and then, a, then, a, then it's a woman, you know, women's own business that had favorable <laughs> treatment. So that's enough to knock you on your ass a little bit. But if you are a true entrepreneur, those are like just bugs on the, the windshield that's of life, right? right? You just yeah. dust yourself off because that's the world of an entrepreneur. And if you, you have to get used to that sort of those challenges and failures, because yeah, right. there's very few entrepreneurs that have that started out and their first venture was uber successful. Most of them failed a bunch of times. So yeah. you just don't want to make, you're going to make mistakes. You just don't want to make big ones and you do your best to mitigate the big ones. But that's the world of entrepreneurship. The flip side of it is it's unbelievable how exciting it is and fascinating. Yeah. And it comes with ongoing heartburn. I think you and I a while ago were talking. Said, you know, I can't even remember how many times. Like, I went to bed on a Monday night, and you know, how the hell am I going to make payroll on Friday in one of my businesses? <laughs> and that's just like it's just part of it, right? And you, you get used to it, and and you and you become stronger and and better for it. Oh man, I love everything that you just said there in these closing comments, Richard. That just resonated with me deeply. And and if you are a buyer, you want to do it with partners like Richard or myself that are the qualified that have walked through the fire time and time again, 30 years, each of us, what's we got 60 years together. Of shit, we're old, right? Oh, I tell shit, people, shit, we're old. I tell people I'm not that smart. I'm just old. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the aggregation um, of information along the way. I, I've learned uh, representing buyers, sourcing SBA loans, um, a, a good chief of credit of mine from, from a bank of past time. Uh, I nicknamed 
him and I as the curveball catchers. Because <laughs> every deal brings curveballs. And I 100%. prepare my buyers from the get-go. You know, just just be ready. This is this, like you said, this is entrepreneurship life. Curveballs happen, but we catch them and we find a solution. That's that's what it's all about. That's and what we, we do. We we pivot, we adapt. Um that that's exactly what we do. That's what so, we do. Um so next week we we will have another episode. Um, I, I would like to maybe give a special thanks again to our sponsors and, and have put them up on the, on the board again. Um, Brilliant Beam Media, Sia is the one behind the scenes here. Thank Come on, you. Sia, how about a drum roll or something? Yeah, give us some give us some music, Sia. What do you got for us? There we go. Can <laughs> had a little different than mine but that works <laughs> oh okay fine I, fine fine i always think about the family guy episode when i hear that about peter griffin talking about walking behind the fat person with a tuba i know that's not politically correct but he had that whole episode when he's walking so he said that that's what he wanted as his job to walk behind <laughs> sorry I, that's just <laughs> well, I, I, well only because you guys are a dream to work with. Here's my my mine for you. Okay. Oh, <laughs> that's like Beautiful. fairy dust. I like that's that. What that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna sprinkle fairy dust on people and get them to the finish line. Yeah. Oh, I have to say hi. I see Terry Smith is in the chat. Is um, that the Terry Smith I play hockey with? No. I don't know, but he he's awesome. He's on LinkedIn. Everybody should connect with him. Um, uh, Terry Smith it is a business advisor. He helps people with business financials, growing. In my opinion, anybody that's a business advisor, a business coach of some sort, when I see their business financials, the tax returns as a seller, the, that, the, the, the business that engaged the business advisor like Terry Smith, nine times out of 10, that business is going to sell and be approved for financing because the owner saw value in engaging in the right coaches and mentors to support them. All the right. time. It's the owners that want to do it all on their own that fail and expense their Tesla yep. that's sitting in their parking lot by the front door of their business. Well, we can go, we actually do a whole thing related to unreported income because that's a perfect topic. And I like, uh, I think Terry posted something, by the way, no risk, uh, no, you know, no risk, no reward. But I think that, you know, one of the subject matters that we'll cover is related to unreported income or, you know, the, this, the laundry lift list of ads, ad backs. And, um, you know, yeah. it's dangerous. Uh, you know, I saw Anthony um, Wilson posted a thank you and, and welcome. And if you don't know Anthony, he was one of uh, one of my first clients. His, his dad was one of my first clients. He actually um, started off, made an investment, $30,000 into a candy store in, the, in Oklahoma and wow. built a multi-million dollar empire. His, him and Anthony, I, I, I interviewed them, if you will, via Zoom um, for, our, for one of our websites. They're going to, their whole... Uh, the whole interview is going to get posted shortly, but wow. they actually used our course and, 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 the, and Anthony, I mean, he's an, his, his dad's really impressive. Anthony is unbelievable. I mean, he's really taken the torch and he's, he's a brilliant guy. And I, I believe he told me that he, he, he won the, um, you know, top, uh, 40 under 40 in, in, in Western uh, Florida, like in the Tampa area. Um, so thank you, Anthony, for joining us. And, uh, those That's are, uh, those are great stories. Maybe one day we'll have uh, those guys on cause it's a, <laughs> you tag team father and son and their stories are just, just fantastic. There's, there's money and sugar. There's money and sugar. And even <laughs> if there's not money, there's sugar and sugar. Well, you know, it. <laughs> I, I got a shout out. I see Crystal Lloyd is here. She's an SBA lender, uh, with Vertex bank in the big state of Texas. See ya. That's your neighborhood, Crystal Lloyd. And um, uh, one of her leaders at the bank is an old chief of credit of mine. His name is Kirk Beeson. He's one of the best SBA chief of credits leaders in the country by far. Um, so uh, thank you for showing up, Crystal. Tell, tell Kirk I said hi. Um, so many others in the chat Great. here. Yeah. Dr. Dr. Trong, thank you so much, hon, for being here. Terry Smith, Graham. So there's with Don that, Wilson, by the way, there's we're, Don, we're, that's we're, Anthony's dad. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And Anthony said he's actually in, under contract now for a business is going through SBA. So they're, uh, um, 
you know, we, we got a uh, terrific selection of individuals. Thank you, Aww. everybody who joined today. And, yeah. and certainly any feedback. We're new at this. We're very excited about this subject matter um, and, and, and thrilled to share it in any way we can. But if there, you have any feedback, what we could be doing better or subjects you want to um, um, cover, but certainly anything that you uh, believe from format or otherwise that we could uh, improve upon, please, your uh, your criticism is welcome. Deb has got skin as thick as a Buick. And if you want to know why, just go read her background and her upbringing and her story, which I encourage everybody to read with her and her poppy and her dad, the story will bring, will bring, uh, bring a, a tears to your eyes, but you'll understand she's got grit. So, um, any criticism okay. is, is going to be taken very well. And I'm, yeah. uh, doesn't phase me at all. So we look forward to that. Deb, well, you're I'm, the best. I appreciate you, you getting this organized and I love doing this with you. Well, Richard, thank you. I, it was a divine intervention, headbands <laughs> and handkerchiefs, baby. Show me Here what we, you got. Here's That's what right. I got. Here's what I got. And I'm not waving <laughs> the flag. <laughs> Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, make sure you mark your calendars next week, Thursday, 2 p.m. Central. And please, if no, you No, 2 would, p.m. Eastern. Eastern. Thank yes, you. 2 p.m. Yeah. Eastern. Please spread the word to your friends as well, because um, we're all in this together and, and we should always be learning to be earning. <laughs> Amen to that. See you later. See you later.